0: Control. Donald Gennaro stared at Hammond sitting in a deserted cafeteria. The man was spooning ice cream, calmly eating it. So, Muldoon believes the children are somewhere in the park? He thinks so, yes. Then I'm sure we'll find them. I hope so, Gennaro said. He watched the old man deliberately eating, and he felt a chill. Oh, I'm sure we'll find them after all. I keep telling everyone the park is made for kids, Genero said. Uh, just so you understand that they're missing, sir. Missing? Of course I know they're missing. I'm not senile. <sighs> he sighed and changed his tone again. Look, Donald, Hammond said. Let's not get carried away. We've had a little breakdown from the storm or whatever, and as a result we've suffered from... A regrettable unfortunate accident, and that is all that's happened, we're dealing with it. Arnold will get the computers cleared up, Muldoon will pick up the kids, and I have no doubt he'll be back with them by the time I finish this ice cream. So let's just wait and see what develops, shall we?" -"Whatever you say, sir," Gennaro said. -"Why?" Henry Wu said, looking at the console screen. Because I think Nedry did something to the cold, Arnold said. That's why I'm checking it. Alright, Wu said. But have you tried your options? Like what, Arnold says. Uh, I don't know. Aren't are, are the safety systems still running, Wu said. Key checks, all that? Jesus, Arnold said, snapping his fingers. They must be. Safety systems can't be turned off except for the main panel. Well, Wu said. If key checks are active, you can trace what he did. ''Ah, sure as he'll can,'' Arnold said. He started to press buttons. Why hadn't he thought of it before? It was so obvious. The computer system at Jurassic Park had several tiers of safety systems built into it. One of them was a key-check program which monitored all the keystrokes entered by operators with access to the system. It was originally installed as a debugging device, but it was retained for its security value. In a moment all of the keystrokes that Nedri had entered into the computer early in the day were listed in the window on the screen. There was a sequence of numbers followed by words, half words and some number combinations. System Nedry Goto command level Nedry 040 stroke hashtag XY stroke 67 ampersand MR goodbytes security key check off safety off sire off security white underscore rabbit dot object that's it arnold said he was screwing around here for hours it seemed like probably just killing time Wu said until he finally decided to get down to it the initial list of numbers represented the asci keyboard codes for the keys nedry had pushed onto his console those numbers meant he was still within the standard user interface like an ordinary user of the computer. So initially Nedry was just looking around, which he wouldn't have expected of the programmer who had designed the system. Maybe he was just trying to see if there was any changes before he went in, Wu said. Maybe, Arnold said. Arnold was now looking at the list of commands which allowed him to follow Nedry's progression through the system line by line. Well at least we can see what he did. System was Nedry's request to leave the ordinary user interface and access the code itself. The computer asked for his name and he replied Nedry. That name was authorised to access the code so the computer allowed him into the system. Nedry asked to go to command level, the computer's highest level of control. The command level required extra security and asked Nedry for his name, access number 7 and password. Nedry 040 Stroke Hashtag XY Stroke 67 ampersand MR Goodbytes Those entries got Nedry into the command level From there he wanted security And since he was authorised the computer allowed him to go there Once at the security level Nedry tried three variations Key check, off, safety, off, sigh, off He's trying to turn off the safety systems, Wu said. He doesn't want anybody to see what he's about to do. Exactly, Arnold said, and apparently he doesn't know it's no longer possible to turn the systems off except by manually flipping switches on the main board. After three failed commands, the computer automatically began to worry about Nedry. But since he had gotten in with proper authorization, the computer would just assume that Nedry was lost, trying to do something he couldn't accomplish from where he was. So the computer asked him again where he wanted to be, and Nedry said, Security, and he was allowed to remain there. Finally, Wu said, here's the kicker. He pointed to the last of the commands Nedry had entered. White underscore rabbit object. What the hell is that? Arnold said. "Why rabbit, is it supposed to be a private joke? It's marked as an object, Wu said. In computer technology, an object was a block of code that could be moved around and used. The way you might move a chair in a room. An object might be a set of commands to draw a picture, or to refresh the screen, or to perform a certain calculation. Let's see where it is in the code, Arnold said. Maybe we can figure out what it does. He went to the program utilities and typed. Find White Rabbit Object. The computer flashed back. Object not found in libraries. It doesn't exist, Arnold said. Then search the code listing, Wu said. Arnold typed, find listings, white rabbit dot object. The screen scrolled rapidly, the lines of code blurring as they swept past. It continued this way for almost a minute, and then it abruptly stopped. There it is, Wu said. It's not an object, it's a command. The screen showed an arrow pointing to a single load of code buried amidst an innocuous amount of instructions arrow on white underscore rabbit dot object call link dot sst parenthesis security perimeter parenthesis set to off son of a bitch Arnold said Wu shook his head it isn't a bug in the code at all no Arnold said it's a trapdoor the fat bastard put in what looked like an object call but it's actually a command that links the security and perimeter systems and then turns them off Gives him complete access to every place in the park. Then we must be able to turn them back on, Wu said. Yeah, we must, Arnold frowned at the screen. All we have to do is figure out the command. I'll run an execution trace on the link, he said. We'll see where that gets us. Wu got up from his chair. Meanwhile, he said, meanwhile that somebody went into the freezer about an hour ago. I think I better go and kill my embryos. Ellie was in her room about to change out of her wet clothes when there was a knock on the door. "'Alan?' she said. But when she opened the door, she saw Muldoon standing there with a plastic-wrapped package under his arm. Muldoon was also soaking wet, but there were streaks of dirt on his clothes. "'I'm sorry, but we need your help,' Muldoon said briskly. "'The Land Cruisers were attacked an hour ago. "'We brought Malcolm back, but he's in shock. "'He's got a very bad injury in his leg.' He's still unconscious, but I put him in his bed in his room. Harding is on his way over. Harding? She said. What about the others? We haven't found the others yet, Dr. Settler, Muldoon said. He was speaking slowly now. Oh, my God. But we think that Dr. Grant and the children are still alive. We think they went into the park, Dr. Settler. Went into the park? We think so. Meanwhile, Malcolm needs help. I've caught Harding. Shouldn't you call the doctor? There's no doctor on the island. Harding's the best we have. But surely you can call a doctor, she said. No, Muldoon shook his head. Phone lines are down. We can't call out. He shifted the package in his arm. What's that, she said. Nothing. Just go to Malcolm's room and help Harding, if you will. And Muldoon was gone. She sat on her bed, shocked. Ellie Sattler was not a woman disposed to unnecessary panic, as she had known Grant to get out of the dangerous situations before. Once he had been lost in the Badlands for four days when a cliff gave way beneath him, and his truck fell a hundred feet into the ravine. Grant's right leg was broken. He had no water, but he walked back on a broken leg. On the other hand, the kids. She shook her head, pushing the fort away. The kids were probably with Grant. And if Grant was out in the park, well, what better person to get them safely through Jurassic Park than the Dinosaur Expert. In the Park I'm tired, Lex said. Carry me, Dr. Grant. You're too big to carry, Tim said. But I'm tired, she said. Okay, Lex, Grant said, picking her up. You're heavy. It was almost 9pm, the full moon was blurred by drifting mist, and their blunted shadows led them across an open field towards dark woods beyond. Grant was lost in thought, trying to decide where he was. Since they had originally crossed over the fence that the Tyrannosaur had battered down, Grant was reasonably sure they were now somewhere in the Tyrannosaur paddock, which was the place he did not want to be. In his mind he kept seeing the computer tracing the Tyrannosaur's home range, the tight squiggles of lines that traced his movements within a small area. He and the kids were in that area now. But Grant also remembered that the Tyrannosaurs were isolated from all the other animals, which meant they would know if they had left the paddock when they crossed a barrier, a fence or a moat or both. He had seen no barriers so far. The girl put her head on his shoulders and twirled her hair in her fingers. Soon she was snoring. Tim trudged alongside Grant. Are you holding up, Tim? Okay, he said, but I think we might be in the Tyrannosaur area. I'm pretty sure we are. I hope we get out soon. You going to go in the woods? Tim said. As they came closer, the woods seemed dark and forbidding. Yes, Grant said, I think we can navigate by the numbers on the motion sensors. The motion sensors were green boxes set about four feet off the ground, some were freestanding, most were attached to trees. None of them were working, because apparently the power was still off. Each sensor box had a glass lens mounted in the centre, and a painted code number beneath that. Up ahead, in the mist-streaked moonlight, Grant could see a box marked T stroke stroke 4 They entered the forest. Huge trees loomed on all sides. In the moonlight a low mist clung to the ground, curling around the roots of the trees. It was beautiful, but it made walking treacherous, and Grant was watching the censors. They seemed to be numbered in descending order. He passed T stroke S stroke zero four and T stroke S stroke zero two. Eventually they reached T stroke S stroke zero one. He was tired from carrying the girl, and he hoped that this would coincide with the boundary for the Tyrannosaur paddock but it followed by T stroke N stroke 02. Grant realized the numbers must be arranged geographically around a center point like a compass. They were going from south to north, so the numbers got smaller as they approached the center. Then they got larger again. At least we're going the right way, Tim said. Good for you, Grant said. Tim smiled and stumbled over vines in the mist. He got quickly to his feet. They walked on for a while. My parents are getting a divorce, he said. Uh Uh-huh, Grant said. My dad moved out last month. He has his own place in Mill Valley now. Uh Uh-huh. He never carries my sister anymore. He never even picks her up. And he says that you have dinosaurs on the brain, Grant said. Tim sighed. Yeah. You miss him, Grant said. Not really, Tim said. Sometimes. She misses him more. Who, your mother? No, Lex. My mum has a boyfriend. She knows him from work." They walked in silence for a while, passing T-stroke N-stroke 03 and T-stroke N-stroke 04. "'Have you met him?' Grant said. "'Yeah. How is he?' "'He's okay,' Tim said. "'He's younger than my dad, but he's, he's bald.' <laughs> "'How does that treat you?' "'I don't know. Okay. I think he's just, he just tries to get on my good side.' I don't know what's going to happen. Sometimes my mum says we'll have to sell the house and move. Sometimes hear my mum fight late at night. I sit in my room and play on my computer, but I can still hear it. Uh Uh-huh, Grant said. Are you divorced? No, Grant said. My wife died a long time ago. And now you're with Dr. Sattler? Grant smiled in the darkness. No, she's my student. You mean she's still at school? Graduate school, yes. Grant paused long enough to shift Lex to the other shoulder, and then they continued on past T stroke N stroke 05 and T stroke N stroke 06. There was a rumble of thunder in the distance. The storm had moved to the south. There was very little sound in the forest except for the drone of cockaders and the soft croaking of tree frogs. You have children? Tim asked. No, Grant said. Are you going to marry Dr. Settler? <laughs> no. She's marrying a nice doctor in Chicago some time next year. Oh, Tim said. He seemed surprised to hear it. They walked along for a while. Then who are you going to marry? I don't think I'm going to be marrying anybody, Grant said. Me neither, Tim said. They walked for a while. Tim said, Are we going to walk all night? I don't think I can, Grant said. We'll have to stop at least for a few hours. He glanced at his watch. We're okay. We have almost fifteen hours before we have to get back, before the ship reaches the mainland. Where are we going to stop? Tim asked immediately. Grant was wondering the same thing. His first thought was they might climb a tree and sleep up there. But They would have to climb very high to get safely away from the animals, and Lex might fall out while she was asleep. And tree branches were very hard. They wouldn't get any rest. At least, he wouldn't. They needed some place really safe. He fought back to the plans he had seen in the jet coming down. He remembered that there were outlining buildings for each of the different divisions. Grant didn't know what they were like because plans for the individual buildings weren't included. And he couldn't remember exactly where they were, but he remembered they were scattered all around the park. There might be a building somewhere nearby. But that was a different requirement from simply crossing a barrier and getting out of the Tyrannosaur paddock. Finding a building meant a search strategy of some kind. And the best strategies were, Tim, can you hold your sister for me and I'm going to go up the tree and have a look around. High in the branches he had a good view of the forest. The tops of the trees extended away to his left and his right. They were surprisingly near the edge of the forest. Directly ahead the trees ended before the clearing with an electrified fence and a pale concrete moat. Beyond that, a large open field in what he assumed was the sauropod paddock. In the distance, more trees and misty moonlight sparkling on the ocean. Somewhere he heard the bellowing of the dinosaur, but it was far away. He put on Tim's night vision goggles and looked again. He followed the grey curve of the moat and then saw what he was looking for. "'the dark strip of a service road "'leading to a flat rectangle of a roof. "'The roof was barely above ground level, "'but it was there, and it wasn't far, "'maybe a quarter of a mile or so from the tree. "'When he came back down, Lex was sniffling. "'What's the matter?' "'I heard an aminal. "'It won't bother us. "'Are you awake now? "'Come on.' "'He led her to the fence,' It was twelve feet higher with a spiral of barbed wire at the top. It seemed to stretch far above them in the moonlight. The moat was immediately on the other side. Lex looked up at the fence doubtfully. "'Can you climb it?' Grant asked her. She handed him her glove and her baseball. "'Sure, easy.' She started to climb. "'But I bet Timmy can't.' Tim spun in fury. "'You shut up!' "'Timmy's afraid of heights.' I am not, she climbed higher. Are so? Am not. Then come and get me, Grant turned to Tim, pal in the darkness. The boy wasn't moving. You okay with the fence, Tim? Sure. Want some help? Tim is a fraidy cat, Lex called. What a stupid jerk, Tim said and started to climb. It's freezing, Lex said. They were standing waist-deep in a smelly water at the bottom of a deep concrete moat. They had climbed the fence without incident, except that Tim had torn his shirt on the coils of barbed wire at the top. Then they had all slid down into the moat, and now Grant was looking for a way out. At least I got Timmy over the fence for you, Lex said. He really is scaring most times. Thanks for your help, Tim said sarcastically. In the moonlight, he could see floating lumps on the surface. He moved along the moat, looking at the concrete wall on the far side. The concrete was smooth. They couldn't possibly climb it. Ew, Lex said, pointing into the water. It won't hurt you, legs. Grant finally found a place where the concrete had cracked and a vine grew down towards the water. He tugged on the vine and it held his weight. Let's go, kids. They started to climb the vine back to the field above. It only took a few minutes to cross the field to the embankment leading to the below-grade service road and the maintenance building off to the right. They passed two motion sensors and Grant noticed to some uneasiness that the sensors were still not working, nor were the lights. More than two hours had passed since the power first went out and it was not yet restored. Somewhere in the distance, they heard a tyrannosaur roar. ''Is he around here?'' Leck said. ''No,'' Grant said. ''We're in another section of the park from him.'' They slid down a grassy embankment and moved towards the concrete building. In the darkness, it was forbidding, bunker-like. ''What is this place?'' Leck said. ''It's safe,'' Grant said, hoping it was true. ''The entrance gate was large enough to drive a truck through.'' It was fitted with heavy bars inside they could see the building was an open shed with piles of grass and bales of hay stacked among equipment the gate was locked with a heavy padlock as grant was examining it lex slipped sideways between the bars come on you guys tim followed her i think you can do it dr grant he was right it was a tight squeeze but grant was able to ease his body between the bars and get into the shed as soon as he was inside, a wave of exhaustion struck him. "'I wonder if there's anything to eat,' Lex said. "'Just hay.' Grant broke open a bale and spread it around the concrete. The hay in the centre was warm. They lay-down fit in the warmth. Lex curled up inside him and closed her eyes. Tim put his arm around her. He heard the sauropods trumpeting softly in a distance. Neither child spoke." They were almost immediately snoring. Grant raised his arm to look at his watch, but it was too dark to see. He felt the warmth of the children against his own body. Grant closed his eyes and slept.